soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 38. As I always like to, please remind you to rate, review, share, download, whatever it takes. As we head into a very exciting month here on the program, it is USA-Mexico month, and we have a very special show for you today as we'll see it from both sides of the rivalry. Former internationals on the U.S. side, Casey Keller, and on the Mexican side, Mariano Trujillo, both guys I call his friends, both work in U.S. media. We're going to have a good old football conversation about this rivalry and where the two teams stand. As I record this, we are 11 days out of that game in Cincinnati. I can't believe it. The third edition. Remember we were talking about it on this show? How many uh, editions will we get in 2021? Well, we've been very lucky. We've had three major competitive editions here. Nations League final, which was not guaranteed. Gold Cup final, which was certainly not guaranteed. This one we knew we were going to get, and now it's two teams in first and second place. We will have two business ends, as I've done the interviews separately, and I don't want to waste too much time because uh, we've recorded them, and it's fantastic stuff from both these guys. And uh, you will walk away a lot smarter, and and you may view this rivalry a little differently than you did prior. It's We're investing a lot in it because it's huge. A little concern on my part, as you will hear in the interviews, because the U.S. are not coming into that, it would appear, with much momentum, with what's happening with their players, certainly in Europe, injuries as well. That's not a problem that Mexico is dealing with. They are coming in with a pretty clean bill of health, and they are also coming in with a lot of their guys starting to perform, both playing in Liga MX and playing abroad. A lot happening in the world of soccer, but we are locked into that game. We'll get back into the Soccer OG as we look at what's happening in the European leagues because there is a lot. How about those West Ham Hammers? How about it? MLS coming down to these final exciting couple weeks. My black and gold of LAFC need to probably win both games to make the postseason, but they're capable. I'll be there on Tuesday. I hope you guys all had a happy Halloween. It was really nice to see on social media everyone enjoying time with their families, dressed up. You know, we, we think about the holidays and uh, we don't put... Halloween on the same level as Christmas or Thanksgiving or any other religious holidays that you uh, may uh, honor with your faith. But Halloween kind of does that too. And you see it so much from the kids having an incredible time and the people dressing up together. And uh, it's it's great. And it's maybe we should c- consider it a little bit heavier as, a, as a, a major holiday because of that. It warms my heart. And all those, you know, Ted Lasso taking taking the the day by storm i saw it everywhere people really laying it out so there you go and there's a sign that your show is doing well so a good week for soccer all around we have a good one for you coming up we'll have the interview with casey keller after that we'll have the interview with mariano trujillo you're going to love this program subscribe subscribe we're going to be in cincinnati cincinnati as don shuley used to say he always called it cincinnati Drove me bananas. Because what we're going to pay the Bengals up in Cincinnati, you know, they have a good uh, offensive line. What? That's Cincinnati. We'll be there uh, with our friends with L3 Online, and we have some big things planned, so stay tuned for that. Also, check out the Soccer OG YouTube under Max Barretos, my name. We'll have another video coming out later tonight. We have some good ones there. Watch the old ones. Uh, watch the one about USA-Mexico. I think you will, uh, you will enjoy it as well. We're getting started. The Soccer OG starts right now.
Welcome back. This is the the business and part one. And uh, I welcome in a man who's doing an incredible job as a broadcaster. He was pretty good at the sport as well. And I was listening this midweek, Rio Vallecano, which have incredible jerseys. I, I, would, I would have never seen you in a Rio Vallecano shirt because you were the goalie, but you don't have that beautiful red strip. And you, you got to call the game, which was the death knell for Ronald Koeman, apparently. Casey Keller, what, what was that like? Well, first of all, I think the opportunity, uh, you know, to broadcast my old club, you know, was, is, is always pretty cool. Um, you, you had know, a really Ryan, interesting tenor about it. You were like looking like it was your children almost in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rio, you know, Rio is such a fascinating club. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're the most promoted and relegated team in, in Spain. Um, you know, they're clearly, you know, the third team in Madrid. Um, you know, uh, the fans affectionately know him as Raito, you know, little Rayo, because they are, you know, and, and even in that game, you're talking about, you know, 9,700. So it was, it was a, it, it's, it, but it is what it is. I mean, Rayo is this, uh, this, this kind of this cultish, you know, club in, in Madrid. And the cool part about, you know, playing for Rayo and having success at Rayo is, Everybody has a soft spot for Rio in Madrid. They're, for the most part, they're a Real Madrid or they're an Atletico fan, but they all kind of say, oh, yeah, but I love oh, seeing right. Rio be successful. And obviously, you know, when, and, and we had a, you know, a bunch of success in the couple of years that I played there. And uh, I think it was after, you know, 16 matches, we were one point ahead of Barcelona in first place. And then my second season, um, we uh, we lost in the quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup. So I mean, we had some some good good runs and some good uh, you know we beat Barcelona in Barcelona, which was more or less Van Hall's last match as well. So Rio has a history of <laughs> putting few people out of work. Between, yeah, the few and far between times they beat Barcelona, um, it usually doesn't end well for their manager. And, and that stadium, and I, I guess I can't really call it a stadium because it's. It... It's like wedged I mean, in the a, neighborhood there. Oh, it's, it is absolutely wedged in. And I think it's, yeah, I think the first time you go there and you go, whoa, there's just a huge wall behind your goal, you know, and it is a little <laughs> bit, uh, a little bit funky because that's a street. That's what that is above, above that wall. It's, 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 is a, a city street that comes down to access some of those, uh, those uh, tower blocks behind. So it's, um, yeah, it, it, like I said, it it's its own entity it's its own little myth you know rio has a has a cool uh, and different uh, aura about it yeah it seems like a perfect club for you casey it really I, I, <laughs> but the the cultish part everyone likes and then you and but then the six i that's when i first started calling soccer and i was uh i remember that and then obviously they kind of fell off the radar a bit but it's great to see sure, them back because- and that's what happens. You know, they, they, they have this success, you know, then, but they can't sustain it. I mean, because they, they truly, they they don't have the, you know, the resources. I mean, the crazy part about Rio in the past was, you know, Rio was owned by a man that was considered at, at one stage, the richest man in Spain. And there's a, a crazy story about when Franco died and the socialists took over that they arrested this man because in their, in, in their thought processes that nobody could obtain that much money legally. 
and without without back without proving it they go this this can't this can't be real he's got too much money okay right so they raided his house um and they found the equivalency of 16 million dollars in cash in a walk-in safe this is like in the early (laughs) 80s right so hello yeah yeah so then there was a bunch of other issues then he actually obviously sued the government he won and then there's a famous picture of him emerging out of prison being carried in a coffin and then the coffin opens and he jumps out in a superman outfit i mean just some crazy crazy stuff that uh that ruth mateus the former owner of rio was wait what what was his name mateus yeah what was the first Ruth name? Mateus, yeah. Okay. See, I could do it. I should do a podcast on Rio Vallecano. This is really interesting. I, I brought yeah, Rio, right. And then obviously they sold. And then and then his wife, when I was there, was the figurehead of the of the club. And she was the president, even though her son really ran the club. But uh, she was uh, Teresa Rivero. And um, and it was, it was a it was kind of a cool, you know, we got I wasn't there. The team got promoted. I got brought in, uh, you know, Juan de Ramos, who later went on to coach Tottenham and Real Madrid and stuff was the manager. And, you know, we really helped, you know, make a name for, for him, for the club, for a bunch of different things. So then it was just, you know, my backup was Julian Lopetegui, you know, so obviously wow. went on to, you know, and still is going on and having a very successful coaching career. So yeah, the, the club is, you know, it didn't surprise me, you know, that uh, they still have, you know, the, the abilities to, to bring in big names, you know, that when, when Falcao signed there, I was like, okay, he just wants to be back in Madrid. He wants to be back with a team that has an opportunity to do something a little bit different. And, and he's, obviously shown that he fits right in oh they're doing it hey i gotta get on a road trip with you casey to madrid maybe i know we were talking about going to see ghosts and you said we could go and i i said yeah, hey, I pl- set that up and then you're gonna bail on me so no i'm not okay. i have to check i have to check my schedule and i was gonna do it i try to get you and it's not till january and it's i, I not don't know what j- my schedule is tomorrow so it's all Ex- good I can't do it. I can't schedule anything. It's it's ridiculous my wife that's is, the, is that's so the fed hardest up. part about this job that people don't understand it stinks yeah, and well, it's about sports in general. Is is you know you there's a very good chance that the Sounders will have a playoff game on Thanksgiving. I mean, I had to train on oh boy. Christmas Day. I had to do you know that that's all part of pro sports. You understand that that's part of the job for sure. Like my sister goes, "Hey, we're going so and so in 2023. Uh, clear this weekend." <laughs> I'm laughing, going, "What are you yeah. talking about? I can't well, clear any. Well, I can't clear next too, week." Yeah, people people will ask, "Hey, can you?" you know, can you do this speaking engagement in three months or six months or whatever? And I said, look, I'd love to, but I mean, and then, you know, even today, you know, I had to, we had to chop and change a little bit to get this done earlier. Cause I have a commitment that got thrown on me a little bit late. So, you know, that's, but because you're a sports person, you understand that. But I mean, if you're, you know, if you're the marketing manager of Microsoft and they want you to go speak at this event and they're paying you decent money to do so. And then you're like, oh, well, sorry, a game got rescheduled. I can't do it now. You know, you throw them in the lurch, you know, you just you just feel bad. So I have to turn so much stuff down, not because I can't do it, but because I can't I can't promise schedule. Yeah, do it on that date. You'd hate to turn. You'd you'd hate to disappoint anyone, Casey. But I'm well, glad you. Part, I'm glad you said it. Right. 
Yeah. It's I, and reputation. I, and you don't want to be a flake, right? Yeah. You want to know that if, if, if someone's going to, going to, you know, request you or ask you or something that they can count on it. I don't want to have that reputation. I try not to turn down anything uh, unless it's, it's absurd, but I mean, if someone says it and if it's, if it's a paying gig, I'll generally kind of get in there. But uh, I know you're, you're trying to work as every other city in America is trying to get the world cup of 2026 in their backyard. So I should have probably pulled the rug on you because I know Los Angeles and Seattle are going to go heads up here. I'm pretty confident LA will be involved, but just in case they get all uppity and say, Hey, this Seattle vibe is great. Let's put, let's play the final here. Then I, would, <laughs> I don't think this, the final. And it was Casey Seattle. Keller. He had this incredible speech and we are sold. <laughs> We're taking it all to Seattle. Screw LA. But they're well, going to, I'm, I'm, but, but Max, I'm sorry to, to bust your bubble. I'm also hearing that because of the Olympics in right around the corner in LA, that they will not be hosting the final. Have you been to SoFi Stadium? They're going to have it there. They have to. It is, cool. I, well, it is Willy it Wonka's chocolate factory final, come to life. I'm not sure. I'm hearing, I'm hearing some things. I'm just oh saying. My, I gotta, and I got to say, living in LA, the Olympics, when that comes down, I am out of LA for a month. I am not here when that happens. It sounds fantastic. World Cup, because I'm invested, yes. Olympics, no thank you. Get me out of this place. We're, well, I'm going to cool go snowboarding with you somewhere. Who knows? In the summer. Okay, we'll have to go oh, down to Chile, but uh, that's okay. Sold. <laughs> Sold. What is it called? Bariloche or whatever? We're going down. That's Argentina. We're going down there, man. Anyway. Hey, let's talk USA. Obviously, okay. you know what? I, we always go USA, Mexico, USA, Mexico, November the sure. 12th. And I'm, I mean, I'm knee deep in it. And I actually was looking and around. I was like, man, wait, this, we have to go to Jamaica the 16th. we got to make sure we don't you know, overlook that one because that's going to be sure. challenging too. And 100%. But obviously USA, Mexico, this is going to be massive. But your thoughts on where the team is, they played, you know, they're, they're almost at the halfway point of games after six games. They would be going to the World Cup. Obviously, it's not been perfect um, with regards to who's been brought in, the results, the one in Panama. But if you could right. grade it and look at what's happened so far, how would you how would you describe it? Nothing. Nothing is ever easy, or at least rarely. If you if you actually go back and look at you know, the, the different qualifying cycles from at least that I was involved in, in you know, 98, 2002, 96, um, uh, or sorry, 2006. Um, there's always moments where if you don't win this game, it could get really interesting, you know, and, and that happened. The difference was in those, in those rounds, unlike, you know, when we didn't qualify, we were able to come up with those wins. And that's why I looked at that Costa Rica game the other day where, you know, that was one of those matches for this side that if you don't win, things get really interesting. It doesn't mean that it still can't get interesting, but that staves off the real threat for the next round or two. And, and, and as long as you pick up the results, it's not an issue. So what I like, I like seeing that ability to fight back after going that early goal down and picking up three points. Um, uh, it's still the most difficult thing is you have an unbelievably young, inexperienced sure. team when it comes to World Cup qualifying. I mean, normally you have, you know, they played so many games and then, you know, you've got eight guys on the field who've had a lot of experience and then a couple who of played guys in a world cup in, perhaps yeah, who played in maybe two or played <laughs> in something. And then, 
Yeah, this is just a, a, a really, really young, naive group learning on the fly. And it doesn't matter if you play, you know, for Barcelona or Juventus or Dortmund or Chelsea or whoever, if you've not, if you've not played in the circumstances of World Cup qualifying, in the environments, in the pressure, in the, it's different. It's definitely different. Well, I'm glad you said that because I think our fan base is a bit naive. They're very angry because of 2018, and I get it. And we're all angry, and we obviously cannot fail in making the World Cup because it would have a huge detour for the development of the sport here with the 2026 World Cup. But uh, I think that's an important a situation. That's an important element that you bring up is these guys. They think because all right, they play at these top clubs, they're going to go down to Panama and they're going to ease on in. It doesn't work that way, and it never will. And you have to get experience. And is it? Do they watch the older guys? And when I say like these guys that may have got twenty or thirty caps, like a. Uh, Paul Ariola or Tim Ream, or do you just throw them in the deep end, which is what they kind of did against Costa Rica. Granted, that was a, a, a home game, which is a big difference. But it's, yeah. uh, it's a weird situation. I, I think Greg Berhalter has to be given a lot of benefit of the doubt because he, it's a balance. And well, so far, he... You've got you to go even further back, Max. You've got to go back and say, you know, you've also... You've played a bunch of games. You've played a whole bunch of different players in a bunch of different combinations, but none of that is the same as qualifying. So yeah. you have an idea that oh, this and you can see it in the players' well. faces too. It's like, wait a minute, this is yeah, this is a different this, oh, I kettle played of fish. Well, in the Gold Cup semifinal <laughs> against so and so's B team, and wait a minute, this is a whole nother level of. Uh, uh, you know, of intensity. And, sure. and I think that's the, you know, that's the part, you know, until you are there and you understand that. And look, it's, it's, it's no different. I mean, Bruce had to come to that realization. Jurgen came to that realization. Bob came to that your, uh, realization that you play a series of friendlies, you play Guatemala in DC, or you play, you know, uh, you play Mexico in a, in a, in a friendly in Arizona, it is a completely different animal when you play them in that first game in world cup qualifying. Great, great examples, by the way, <laughs> you've lived it. Uh, I would ask, ask you this, cause this is another debate and you would be perfect one answer because it actually, it is the goalkeepers for the U S men's national team are front and center here. And uh, I get a little nervous because a lot of the players, a lot of the key players we have the injured guys in Pulisic and Reina, so we discount them. But there's guys that at, at any stretch are not getting regular games for their European right. clubs. The MLS guys are getting regular games. Different level, yes. But let's just look at the goalkeepers. And this 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 relates to many players at different positions. But you have Matt Turner, who's playing regularly. You have Zach Steffen, who is not, got a game there. And it kind of looked like a guy who hasn't played a lot, at least initially. But how do you think the perspective is of a, a national team manager or if you've been at the camp, is it, do you, what outweighs the other playing at man city perhaps and getting the training and doing well or getting games is I always feel you have to get games to really be considered in a key spot, but is like, well, I think first and foremost, you have to find who's your best player first. Now, if, if Matt hadn't done as well as he had done, 
and given the 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 confidence from everybody that he's he's good enough to do that then it wouldn't matter then you have to play zach because you're just like okay zach's clearly better than what we have there's no you, you know, it's not a it's not a pro team match you can't just go buy somebody if it doesn't fit if you don't have the person you're you're stuck with what you have with a u.s passport and if, <laughs> and if you have a you know a, a great goalkeeper that's just not playing that's better than a bad goalkeeper that is so in the end you have to figure that out now i think the other aspect of it is i think you also have to look at zach's history um, if Zach was 34 and had 500 games experience, then I give him a little bit more benefit of a doubt of not necessarily playing as regularly as he would like. And then if you're still going World Cup qualifier, maybe a cup game, maybe you're playing every couple weeks, but maybe you're not playing every week, then I'll give you a little bit more benefit of the doubt. But if you go and what did we say the other day in the broadcast? Something like 18 months had played like four games or something. You know, I mean, yes, that's that's a that's difficult. Yes, that's very that's very a red difficult. flag. That's what yeah. not a red flag, but that's where you're like, okay, this is this is this could be a risk to put a guy there, there, in here who's look, not there's, for there's a point where Zach has to make a decision. You Agreed. know, am am I going to go somewhere where I can play if I don't, you know, win the starting job? And it's tough when the guy ahead of you is like 18 months or two years older than you are. It's another thing if Ederson was 35 and they're going, hey, okay, you know, we're going to give him one more year and then it's your shot. I mean, because we've seen that, you know, that happened to me at Tottenham. Uh, it happened, you know, Peter, Peter Cech, it happened at Chelsea. It happened, you know, it, it happens, right? A, a club has a young goalkeeper they think is going to be the, you know, the, the next 10 years and, the, the, the young kids like, look, I can't wait any longer. I'm going to leave if not. And then, okay. Unfortunately, the guy that's played, you know, 10 years doesn't matter. Goodbye, you know, but that's part of the game. That's something we all have to deal with, but, but, but that's not Zach, right? I mean, they're really close and he, and he also doesn't have, it's not like he's 21 and they're going, okay, now we're going to have him for the next 10 years. They're relatively the same age. So sure. that's, that's another difficult scenario. It's a it's a crazy situation because if I was Zach, I go, I'm here. I'm getting this great coaching. I'm playing with these guys. I'm I'm you know socializing with these guys, and this is great. This is Manchester City for crying out loud. But I wonder if he's had those conversations. Go, I got to start getting games because deep down, every competitor, and you obviously can answer it much better than I, wants to play and get those I, games. Max, but it's, still, it's a good situation. <laughs> Sorry, was that? I had I had to play. You I, had to I, play. I, you know, I, I only had it would stew at you like nothing yeah. else. Look, I really only sleep. had the one. Yeah, I only had the one situation, and, and that was at Tottenham when they brought in Paul Robinson, and he was, you know, the, the chairman had had made a uh, a declaration that they were going to go young and British, and I was neither. So, um, so there say, was a Casey. Point. We're going young and British, mate. Uh, you're yeah. not young, and you're not British. Maybe one well, of these two I, things we would have overlooked. I, I just wish they had come to me at that stage and, and gave me some opportunity to get to Gladbach at the start of the season, as opposed to the winter break. But, um, but again, it, look, it worked out fine in the end, but there was that, 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 you know, that, that first, that window, you know, and, and that's back to the point that I was saying, I was right at the start of the, of, of, of qualifying for 2006, right in that window. 
but between playing for the national team, playing uh, League Cup for Tottenham, then getting on loan, and I went on a on a four match loan at Southampton because they had a an emergency where their top two goalkeepers were out, and I was able to go on loan. Uh, and then we got into Christmas, and then I, you know, then I signed for Gladbach, and 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 everything cleaned itself up. But I was, I'll be honest with you, Max, I was losing my mind in that wow. time period, you know. And and there's no chance I could have just sat there and taken a check and 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 been happy with that role. And now the difference was I went from being from starting. I think I started. If I can remember, and, and this is all happening where you. But I started 90 some matches in a row. I had played every minute of every game league and cup for Tottenham two seasons in a row, um, not missing a minute, uh, you know, and then, and then it, you know, it, it, your it, body it has to feel that it happens in pro sports. It just, it's yeah. just part of and it. your national team, uh, national team is calling during all of that. And obviously that's right. all playing into it. Uh, some of the field players too, this is a concern and maybe you can walk me off the ledge here. So, Hmm. Um, for, let's take Matthew Hoppy for instance. I'm excited. Okay. He's he's developing. He's at a club all of a sudden, and he is just off the radar. He's not playing. Uh, Eunice Musa, who's been great in these uh, qualifiers, uh, really a nice development in the last last uh, group of October games. He he's now at Valencia. He's not playing, and I'm like, okay, this and if is, he is playing, Max. He's playing ten minutes, twenty minutes. Yeah, ten. Yeah. yeah. So this is this gets me all nervous because games matter. Right. And right. I, it's not going to affect Moose's selection. It'll probably affect Hoppy's selection. Sure. Uh, and these are just two examples, but these are not isolated incidents. There's a, there's a well, lot no, of other guys it, in the same boat. But that's also decisions that people have to make with their agents in, 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 in the direction they want to go as a player. Um, and I'm, don't get me wrong. I, I think every player should bet on themselves, you know, that they can get the job done. But I look at the two examples. Let's look at, you know, the strikers. Let's look at Hoppe and Josh Sargent. Um, Josh Sargent, another example, yeah, for different players, reasons. Yeah, but two players that, for different reasons, <clears throat> never really truly established themselves in the Bundesliga. Okay? Both of their clubs got relegated. Both big clubs that still pay, you know, very good wages, regardless if they're in the second division. Does it make sense to stay there at that big club, be a star, score a bunch of goals in the second division, get that club back into the top flight, and then truly start your Bundesliga career after that confidence? Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, let's look at, you know, my big competition with Brad Friedel, you know, Brad went to Liverpool, never played, um, got to Blackburn in the championship, had a, had a, you know, had that time in the championship for three quarters of a season team got promoted. And then he went on to have a phenomenal, uh, career in the premier league. But it took dropping down to get the, 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 the reps and the confidence to then get promoted and then go on and have a great career. So sometimes it's not about the big club. Sometimes it's about just you establishing yourself first and then the big club will come.
What do you think about the situation? Because this is going to be, this is going to come up in the, when the, the next roster is announced. Joe Scally, 18, comes out of relatively nowhere. I mean, we knew about him, but he joins one of your former clubs. Correct. And he's playing every day. And I watched him this weekend, and he's pivotal he's for what he does. He's a good player. He's a great, but they, they use him. They feed him the ball. He crosses it in, and he is a big part of when they're successful. He's usually involved. But he he's 18. And you have hey, everybody's fullbacks. 18 with the national team right now, Max. It doesn't matter. Uh, no, I, you I, I think you've got to limit the amount of 18 year olds, right? Yeah, you, well, you can't have them running all over the place. Well, that's what they said about Manchester United when they brought in that crew back in the 90s, and they seem to be able to make it happen. But I agree, it's uh, I, I think what it does is it gives you a great opportunity to play desk higher up the field. And I think you're starting to see oh, that interesting. from Barcelona as well, um, that, that he's playing higher up the field, that he's not necessarily the true, you know, right back that you could play him with a scally behind him. So, yeah, I think it's definitely some more uh, uh, opportunities and some options that, that Berhalter and the coaching staff have, but it, it is, it's tough. Again, you know, you're, you make a, a very valid point. It's a untested 18 year old, you know, coming into the team in a crucial juncture uh, of world cup qualifying. So he gets brought know, in though uh, here, right? You, you would think he gets, he gets oh, in the sure. squad. I, okay. I can't, I, at I least he joins, he may not play, but he gets in the squad. Right. I think you have to start bringing him in. Yes, this is the time. I mean, maybe last uh, the w- window was a little early. We haven't seen it, but now you've got a, a proof of concept. And and Greg Berhalter has been asked about, hey, maybe you, you use Dest the same way that Barcelona does. And I think he's looked pretty good. He's been criticized a fair bit with Barcelona's demise. And I think it's completely unfair because they have a lot bigger issues because he missed these two chances. But regardless, uh, that's an, I mean, if you have but something. But, but Max, you got to understand as well. You want the big paycheck. You want the glory at the Barcelona's. You got, it has to come. got to hit it. Sure. Negatives have to come with the positives. And if you don't perform, there's a different level of, uh, oh, let's see, forgiveness or uh, just, uh, you know, kind of expectation when you're playing for a different club. But when you're at Barcelona, the expectation is that, you execute more often than not. And when you slip up, you have to, you have to raise your hand and, and accept the, the criticism. Uh, let's pivot here towards USA, Mexico, just general uh, thoughts about this rivalry. This one's shaping up to be a, a real big addition a, cause it's world cup qualifying because obviously the USA could take a huge step towards sure. qualifying uh, beating Mexico at home is you got to win your home games. You know, that's going to be the, uh, obligation yeah. for Mexico as well but they had the two games over the summer that the U.S. won which is another ingredient you add to this so it's going to be m- massive but your USA Mexico uh, memories and how does it feed into the latest edition that we're going to see here in a couple of weeks well yeah I mean I, I had some you know some great uh, matches against Mexico both on you know all across the gambit wins losses draws um and, and it comes down to, you know, just kind of the, you know, how the team performs and where they are right now. And look, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strong Mexico team, but it's not a, a ridiculously strong Mexico sure. team. I, I think the same thing, it'd be frustrating, you know, not having 
key contributors in, in Pulisic and Reina. It'll be frustrating, but I'm sure they'll be missing a player or two as well. You know, you just know that that's part of World Cup qualifying and you need people to step up and, and, uh, and, and, and execute um, when given the opportunity. And I think we had plenty of guys throughout the years that I could remember in World Cup qualifying that were able to, that didn't even, you know, that never made a World Cup roster, but at times during World Cup qualifying, were asked and 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 executed, and and I think that'll be extremely important uh, going forward in in all the games. Much yet Mexico, Mexico's a different level. We know that, we know that's the big rival. We know that that's the big game that that everybody's going to be tuned in to watch. And you know, we qualified. You know, it's always nice too. I mean, we qualified in two thousand six, beating Mexico in Columbus, which has a another level to it when you can beat <laughs> Mexico and qualify at the same time. Um, obviously that's not going to happen this time around, but, but as you it, said, if, if they win this game, they're going to feel really good about qualifying though. They'll feel like, sure. okay, absolutely. We and, have and, it in front of us now. Game, yeah. But it's a game too, that I think, you know, if it's not the end of the world to, to get a draw in this point in this, okay. in this game. So um, I don't want to lose it by, by no means, but you know, if, if it's, you know, one, one in the 89th minute and you're maybe under a little pressure, I wouldn't necessarily be, uh, be pushing for the winner. Um, so, because I, I like, I like what the, what the team's doing. I think there's still, there was some, there were some moments, uh, in the Costa Rica game where I was, you know, pulling out what's left of my hair where, where guys, you know, I, I was doing the same. I was doing the that same. That didn't need to be taken. And because you have to understand the consequences and the consequences. And there's the young team uh, d- dilemma. That's, and... that's the point. Right. And so hopefully they've learned. And I know, you know, you know, Greg will not let any detail go unnoticed. Um, so, but it, then it's a matter of, you know, can that register in such a quick turn around, you know, and, and, and learn that quickly that, that understand the ramifications of this. Sure. And uh, they're going to be a bottle of nerves. And that's why I wish these guys were coming in with a lot of games under their belt and obviously good health. I hope Christian Pulisic plays this weekend coming up. Supposedly he's on a path to do it, but that doesn't mean he's going to play a big role, but Hey, just to be in the camp would be great, but sure. Playing Costa Rica home, playing Costa Rica, obviously is one thing. This is going to be a, not, we're not a Costa see, Rica, come out. Of, but Max, not a Costa Rica of no, of of you know a couple two thousand fourteen. Funny part. <clears throat> well, that was the funny part. We were saying, well, not a Costa Rica before. We were like, well, actually, it is. That's the problem. The same. It's exactly the same it Costa Rica at that, that time, Bri- and they don't. The Brian Ruiz play. <laughs> yeah, we have too many young players. They don't have enough young players coming up to challenge, you know, some of the older players. So, yeah, you need to really have that balance, and they don't have it on the opposite end. You know, we don't have it um, in the in the in the experience side of things. So you're really asking some young kids to learn on the fly and. And how much have they learned in those first, what was it, six games? Sure. The cycle, the cycle of qualifying, my friend. Casey, uh, I love chatting with you, my friend. Thank you for, uh, for carving out some time. Best of luck with your wonderful city and uh, the World Cup final in 2026, which you're going to be responsible for. Let's just, let's just get some World Cup games in Seattle. We'll, 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 we'll get worry you, about the final We'll later. get you, uh, I'll throw you, let's say, uh, 
a Canada versus, well, you aren't going to get a Canada, but maybe um, a Senegal versus Paraguay. I'll get you one of those. How's that? Wow. <laughs> I'll cut you a deal. But, and we'll do the Rio Viacano p- uh, pod here at some point. <laughs> well, well, we got Rio, uh, Rio this weekend plays Real Madrid, so we'll wow. see. Unbelievable. You're, you're a gentleman and a scholar, and I'll let you know about the concert here soon. <laughs> Hang in there. Hang in there. The, the one and only Casey Keller. We'll be back with more of the Soccer OG. Back here on the Soccer OG. And yes, we're equal opportunity. There's no doubt about it. We spoke about the United States with a former U.S. international. Now we're going to speak about El Tri with a former Mexican international, my friend Mariano Trujillo. And before we say anything, Mariano, I saw a video and you posted it a couple days ago where you were cutting a rug, bailando like a (laughs) champ. You've got some good moves, man. Yeah, that's a that's a secret skill that I only use in cases uh, it's needed. Uh, they force <laughs> that's a good me, skill. They force me. <laughs> yeah, they said, "Hey, can you dance?" Oh no, it's been a long time. No, no, no. <laughs> you look more I Cuban know. than I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well, you know, in Mexico we dance a lot of salsa, and uh, that's my thing. But uh, this was a little bit different. We were celebrating um, over there in Network with Foxhole. Yeah, they they forced me to to do it, but it it was fun. It was fun. But it is a pleasure to be here with you, Max. Oh, man. Yeah, it's always good to catch up with you. And by the way, I know Fox Deportes celebrating 25 years and uh, certainly a warm congratulations to everyone over there who do such a fantastic job. And by the way, with music, you know, we always regionalize music, you know, salsa, Puerto Rico, Cuban and cumbia is Colombian, but they're all over the place and everyone has their own kind of um, versions of it. So, I mean, in Argentina, they have a really good cumbia and yes. they get it. So it's it's it, it doesn't really hold within borders. So I, I that warms my heart, too, because it shows that as Latinos, as we're always kind of separated, there's a lot of common threads. It, music and sports are right at the top of the list. Yeah, that's right. I'm with you in that uh, on that. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's the the feeling that we have. Right. Uh, regardless of the music or your nationality, as as soon as you can hear the rhythm and feel it, there you go. You go and dance and. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't matter where and, and how. Uh, it's something that is in our blood. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> as, as is football. So uh, I, I just yeah. spoke to Casey Keller. And we, you know, everyone's getting ready for this November 12th game uh, in Cincinnati, USA and Mexico. World Cup qualifying. Mexico's first. USA second in the standings. Canada not far behind. And I think those are the three that qualify automatically, but we've still got a long way to go. And the U.S. approached this, and I, Casey mentioned it to me, and I kind of agree with him. We're like, yeah, if we because the U.S. don't have a lot of momentum, a lot of players are either injured or not playing with their clubs, so we don't have that momentum that we left in October. And he said, you know, if we get a tie, it's not terrible. I go, I agree with you. So part of that is Mexico, and they got a, a – I know they had the friendly in there with Ecuador, which was an alternate squad but they got a road win against El Salvador. Just your thoughts about where they left things off in October in a game, which, you know, we always saw Raul Jimenez get back and score a goal. It seems like things are, am am I wrong to think that things are starting to click into place for Mexico? No, I I agree with you. I think they're in a, in a good place after those uh, two um, complicated finals against the U S with uh, the, the nations league and then the gold cup, uh, 
Tata Martino was a little bit uh, shaky in his position. Um, he received a lot of criticism from the media in Mexico, which is usual and normal. But with Tata Martino, everyone loved him. Oh, wow. he's playing great. He's doing awesome. He's the he's the right one. Uh, and the they were saying two, that uh, they've been saying that for, about him because that is strange. Because yeah. usually the, the knives are out, right? Yeah, the, yeah. But after those two finals, you know, losing against the U.S. Uh, is not acceptable. But if you uh, you know put the results aside and analyze the game, you see that it was a, it was a complicated game for for Mexico. That he Mexico had a couple of chances. But uh, but after the the last um, uh, international duty with with Mexico playing against El Salvador. Uh, and Raul Jimenez uh, performing the way he performed, I think Mexico, it's in a good place. You know, not just with Raul Jimenez, now having Funes Mori, um, Guillermo Choa is in, in, in an exceptional form. Uh, he has experience. But this is my thing. Um, in, uh, it, was, it was Gold Cup. The U.S. roster wasn't the strongest. And Mexico's roster was, you know, more towards ah. the stronger side, right? And... Just with the physicality and the fitness, the U.S. Uh, was able to compete and actually won that final. I see in this scenario, a possible scenario, just like that one, uh, this upcoming game. So you would see that you would see that maybe the U.S. would bring in a physical, fit team, a team that's going to try and run Mexico as hard as they can. Would that? Would, that's going to, that might be, I mean, I haven't really addressed that, but that seems like if it worked for Greg Berhalter in the summer, probably something he should do again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think that that will be a no brainer for him because I'm not saying that they don't, they don't have quality players, even though the, the bigger stars are not in, in their best form right now. Um, they have quality players. These U.S. team, it's completely different than the, the ones in the past. These teams feel comfortable with the ball on their feet, which, uh, it was a little bit different in the past. Now they can compete with Mexico in that aspect of the game. Uh, if they can cope in the initial minutes with that pressure that for sure Mexico is going to apply, uh, then the, the fitness part will click in uh, because Herrera is not playing, uh, because Guardado is not the same. Um, and I think uh, if Tata Martino puts the right person on the field, we can compete with that physicality. But if he decides to go with the veterans, uh, it's going to be a struggle for Mexico. That's interesting. And uh, by the way, Raul Jimenez, we're recording this. He's going to play a little bit later for Wolves, but he started a bit. Uh, they have a Korean striker, Huang Hee Chan, who's gotten some minutes, which, you know, it's a slow return, but it's, it's back. And obviously getting that penalty against El Salvador was a big step for him. And I, I, I'm curious now with this U.S. roster because of what you say, and it's going to get some people upset because maybe he leaves some of the, the younger uh not as physical players off this roster to do the job here, or maybe he gets a roster because again, you have two games, but maybe he goes that direction, which is a, uh, which is interesting. But um, the, uh, some of the Mexican based players are doing well as for El Tri. You know, obviously we saw Hector Moreno score and uh, Funes Moris been a big part and Monterrey just won the CONCACAF champions league. Uh, how, how's that contribution? Cause the U S is so, uh, right now is so reliant on their European based players. And I said, they're not playing regularly, but would you, would you see that it could be a, a very strong Mexican league league MX core for these, these qualifiers come up? How do you see that roster build for a Tata? Yeah, without a doubt, I, I will go with, with more of the Olympians, you know, and, and that was my uh, pick before um, uh, the game in, in Estadio Azteca and then in El Salvador, 
um, because I didn't like Guardado and Herrera playing right there in the middle uh, of the field. I think they're quality players, but the, their intensity is not the same that it was before. Uh, Cordova is playing uh, very good. At least he played very good with the with the national team, with the Olympic national team. I don't know why he's not a starter in America. Uh, Charlie Rodriguez with Monterrey, he's he's going back to that level that we uh, saw against Liverpool in the World Club uh, Club uh, World Cup. And Orbelín Pineda is, is as well playing really well with Cruz Azul. You have Edson Alvarez that is always uh, the anchor right there in the middle of the park. And you have guys that can run for the 90 minutes. And then you have experience with Edson Alvarez and quality with the ball. Um, that will be my pick. That will be my choice. And those players are based in Mexico. Then in the middle and the, uh, in the back of the of the field you can go with uh, Hector Moreno which is playing in Mexico and Cesar Montes both players are playing with Monterrey they know each other Cesar Montes did very well in the Olympics he uh, in the last uh, games with Mexico he did very well as as well so uh, I think if I'm Tata Martino I will only put Raul Jimenez up front Tecatito and Chucky other than that all Mexican all Liga MX base players and they're healthy now right I mean this Certainly compared to the U.S., they're a lot healthier. Obviously, Lozano, uh, Chucky Lozano was an issue over the summer, but he is clicking now. And uh, is there any injury? I mean, Raul Jimenez was a long-term injury. Is there any injury concerns for Mexico, do you see, that could complicate things a bit for selections and obviously for the starting 11 or whoever the players are in Cincinnati? No, not really. Not really. That's, only my, is, my only concern. I'm terrifying myself with this. <laughs> oh my God. My only We're concern. Gonna lose. <laughs> well, it's just, uh, well, I mean, a lot of things can, ha- can happen. Right now, Liga MX in the final stretch, and Rayados needs to win to be part of the front pack. Uh, Gallardo is going to play for sure as a starter, and, and he's the starter with the, the national team. Um, on the right hand side is uh, Chaka Rodriguez, uh, the America player. Um, I forgot his name right now. Um, he hasn't been performing well. Uh, I'll tell you right now. Um, I forgot his name and he's the right back. He's the, I'm glad the position this, this that doesn't only play. happen to me. I, I did this on air the other day and I forgot a guy's <laughs> name. It was Gerald PK and they go, PK, I go, yeah, yeah. I go, you forgot his name. Yeah. I go, I'm afraid I did. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, uh, America's right back. No, not Miguel Ayun, but, but also, you know, um, uh, Cata Dominguez from Cruz Azul play as a right back last time, and that yeah, might be also good. an option. You know, he was good. He's an experienced player. He's played with Cruz Azul, and now you don't need a fullback that goes forward all the time because you have Tecatito over there, especially playing away against the U.S. You want to have a, a solid back uh, backline, and, and that might be another option. Um, I don't see any concerns other than that right back position uh, because Funes Mori is healthy, Raúl Jiménez is healthy. You have Romo as well. So I see a pretty solid squad, Mexican squad. Um, but it, again, it depends on what Tata Martino uh, chooses. How is his, you, you mentioned with the losing in the summer, but how has the media been treating Tata uh, after the two losses to the U.S.? And has that changed with a, a good run here? They're first place. They've gotten results. They've gotten results uh, away from home. And obviously they're going to be in, in the United States here next. Uh, how is he being uh, treated down in the mess, the, the media, which we know can can be overwhelming at times because everyone covers El Tri. Yeah, it, it's up and down, you know, as always in, in Mexico, because uh, even if they play good uh, against Honduras, they play at a, a second stadium, um, 3 nil. And it, oh, yeah, but Honduras, uh, it was probably one of the worst Honduran sides uh, from the last 10 years. And, OK, uh, but the performance was was pretty solid and you score three goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
And then uh, um, you go and El Salvador is like, yeah, but, you know, it could have been 4-0. So they're, they're never happy, you know. And I think Pelta <laughs> realized that already uh, because before those uh, two finals against the U.S., every, everything was sweet. Everything was Tata is the best, Tata knows, he has experience, Barcelona, Paraguay, blah, 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 Argentina. Uh, but now I think he's facing uh, th that moment of, of uh, instability where one result can uh, uh, brings you the, the best comments or, and bad, what one uh, bad result can, uh, uh, you know, uh, let all the criticism flow in every uh, media in Mexico, in every outlet in Mexico, because... Uh, they're just trying to find something to criticize. And I think it's, if it's not the, the players, it's Tata Martino. It may not be the media here in the U.S., Mariano, but I'm getting it from the fan base a lot. There's And yes. not qualifying from the World Cup is part of it, but the fan base is upset and a lot of Berhalter out and a lot of uh, why is this guy in the national team? And it's more than I've ever seen. And, it's, and I'm glad it's there because it means people care, but a lot of it is misdirected. And but people are people are hot and I and you're seeing it more in the media and the US media was always pretty patient and there's a back and forth where you know it's like okay let's let's tread lightly let's give let's give it a process here but it's it's starting to change and I like it but I want to make sure it's um a it's it's factual and it's also it's fair for 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 a variety of reasons but it's it's weird because I'm like, I always tell people, you know, we didn't qualify for the World Cup. We don't go from zero to 60. But the big reason is because we've got all these players in Europe. It's amazing. And it happens so quickly. But there are some challenges with that. There are a lot of guys that, hey, he's played in Europe. He's playing at Marseille. He's playing at Chelsea. He's playing at Dortmund. But maybe he's not playing a lot. Maybe uh, he's not being challenged in CONCACAF life, right? He's not being challenged mm -hmm. like going to Panama. So, and I was talking to Casey about that, and it's it's true that you have to go through this process, and I think that's that's a big advantage for Mexico because we we the U.S. has a bunch of guys that haven't experienced it, and they're very young. I and I I'm a believer. Go with the kids because th th this is the beginning of the cycle, and it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. But you're going to take some lumps along the way. I just hope uh, November the 12th isn't one of those lumps. Well, I mean, I think the, the media in the U.S., uh, it's a little bit responsible of that um, um, U.S. balloon, if you want to call it like that, you know, Perfect. because they're very talented, uh, but they're 18, 19, 20, and most of them are playing in Europe. In Europe, as you know, everything is nice. You know, it's really hard to find a, a pitch that is not good to play. <laughs> you know, the weather is pretty much the same all the time. Uh, there's no altitude or elevation. Then when you go to El Salvador, I have this picture in, in my head when uh, Reina, Gio Reina, was uh, waiting for the, the, the kickoff and then the, yeah. the fireworks and he was scared and he's like, well, relax, that, that's normal here in, yes. in, in CONCACAF, right? So that's something new for him. And it's not just him, but it's uh, Musa and all, all the guys playing for the first time. Even Serginho Des, he's playing in Barcelona, but, but he's never played in CONCACAF. So they have to adjust to that. It's it, Every game, it's a new experience for them when they're not playing in the U.S. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think they have a super talented group, but I think right now, right now, Mexico has that advantage. I I'm with you when I saw that Gio Reyna. He jumped and then I jumped and go, uh-oh. We yeah. That wasn't supposed to happen. I think someone looked at him. He kind of calmed him down, but that's all new. So it's... It's a process they have to overcome. And sometimes you don't overcome it. It's always going to be an issue because it's always going to be a challenge. Uh, yeah, what, I agree. The, 
the the young Mexican players. I mean, the UN. I, and I've heard this, and I when I watch some of the the shows from Mexico, and they're they they're critical of some of the Mexican players not going to Europe because the Americans are starting to get more and more and, and more clubs. How have you seen that, and how is it covered? There's obviously a lot of success stories, uh, but maybe not as many as the U.S. But it's top level: Irving Lozano, Tecatito Corona, Raúl Jiménez, Edson Alvarez, who's a who's a hero at Ajax, one of the top clubs on, in the world right now. Is that? Do you think that's going to change? Are there going to be more? There's going to be more of a pathway. We know there's so much money in Liga MX. The balance of talent for Mexico. Where do you see it playing now and then in a few years? Well, um, it's it's encouraging right now because you have players like Charlie Rodriguez, eh, Romo, eh, Cordoba, um, Edson Alvarez, which uh, he, he's not too old. But it's kind of hard to, con to compare what is happening uh, with the U.S. One, uh, they have the advantage of um, uh, uh, European passports, which in Mexico is it's really weird. Only Miguel Ayun had that possibility, and he played in Europe. But uh, the all other Mexican players is because uh, they're um, occupying an international roster within their sure. teams. Um, you mentioned about the money. In Mexico, uh, but I also the the believe that the level in Liga MX is good enough uh, for young players to develop faster than MLS uh, at least right now. In in a few more years, I think that thing will be more even. Uh, but right now, I think that the Mexican national team can, team can compete with young players playing in Mexico against these players uh, with uh, the U.S. national team playing in Europe. Uh, because you mentioned it before, they, they yes, they are there, but they're not playing much. And the Mexican young players, they're playing uh, as a starters with their teams in Mexico and in teams like America, Cruz Azul, Chivas, teams where uh, you have a big responsibility. It's not that you're going to play and nobody cares. No, you have to play and deliver because if not, the fans, the media, the constant pressure. So I think growing like that uh, thickens your skin. So when you go with the national team, it's not a, it's not something new for you. And that's a big difference in, in the development of players in the U S and, and Mexico. Yeah, and it's one of the flaws of MLS and I hope it changes, but if you're a talented young American player now, and you're under the age of 24, the league's going to sell you because that's the, that's the cycle that mm -hmm. they're in. And that's fine. But you know, I wish there was some of these guys that would stay and help build it and kind of get that same kind of pop that league MX gets when you mentioned like a Charlie Rodriguez and some of the players, uh, that call Liga MX home and are not immediately, all right, we got to get them. And the players want to go, obviously. But not all of them. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Maybe, maybe some of them probably would like to stay home and uh, help this league develop and just, they just, hey, they just want to be closer to a family and all of that other that yeah. comes with it. But I, I'd like to see some of those young players at least get a little more time, but it seems like it's, they get a, six months in them and they're sold. And some of them, it's not mm -hmm. the best move for them. I look at Brian Reynolds, teenager, FC Dallas, sold to Roma. He's nowhere to be seen. He's nowhere. He doesn't even make the bench for them anymore. So it's, uh, of course, it's, it's a gamble. And it could, it, it, it probably alters their development. Hopefully not all of them, but some of them get fall through the cracks. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And I think MLS teams needs to, uh, uh, negotiate in a better way. Yes, you can sell the player, yeah. but you can ask for a loan for him to stay two years here. It will be better for him because he will have some playing time and then he can go and, and uh, you know, play over there when he's a, a, a better player in terms of development. Just in closing, Mariano, and uh, what does USA Mexico mean to you? I mean, I, I've talked about it being, it's become the biggest rivalry in the world. I know people go, wait a minute. 
Brazil, Argentina, it's probably still number one, but they don't play enough. Uh, and then there's so many lines that cross these two countries it, with players, with the leagues now kind of joining uh, forces in many ways. And all of that you put into the pot to me makes it the biggest rivalry and such a huge event. The European rivalries, again, England, Scotland, Germany, Netherlands, they don't play enough because it's so spread out in qualifying that mm -hmm. sometimes these countries don't see each other for years. So yes. I, USA, Mexico to me has just become that. But what has it meant to you? What are the memories that you've had that have made it a special, uh, uh, the agony, the ecstasy, all, all in one when this, when this matchup rolls around? Well, um, we have so many things in common, right? A lot of Mexicans living here in this country um, and uh, sharing culture and traditions and all that. Um, and uh, to be realistic, the only sport that we were able to beat the U.S., it was soccer, right? Because it was their thing, not basketball, not baseball, none in any of the other, other sports. Um, so we were, we were good at it and, and we were making sure that they knew it. Uh, especially the Mexicans living here in, in, in the U.S. Now, and it's not just with the national team. It's a, it's a club level as well. Uh, every time it's an MLS League MX competition, the Mexicans go to the stadium and they're like, yeah, we, we beat him. Yeah, you're not good. And every time they're rubbing that in their faces. So that grew the, the, the rivalry. And me growing up as a, as a player, um, I knew that that was a chance for us as, as, a, as a Mexican national team to make a statement every time we were playing against the U.S., regardless of the uh, age, the, the level, the friendly, uh, official game. Uh, we wanted to make a statement you know, that we were better and uh, we were always be like that. And obviously that, that has changed a lot. Um, so it means a lot. It means a lot, not just for the players. And the first time I had a chance to, to play with the senior national team, I play in New York um, against Peru. And uh, when, when I saw the fans, um, the amount of money they pay to go to the stadium, the sacrifices, the effort that they, they need to do to go and, and uh, root for their national team and what it means for them to be represented in a country that is not theirs, it, ch it changed my perspective of what it means to, to uh, wear the, national, the Mexican national team. So if it's against the U.S. and it's in the, U the game is in the United States, it's, it's a completely different situation for the Mexican-Americans living here. Obviously, for the Mexicans living in Mexico. But that takes the rivalry to a different level. Sure. Right? So it, it, it means everything. You, can't, you don't want to lose. It, it, it's like every time you play against your brother, you don't want to lose against your, you can lose against your neighbor, but not your brother, right? You cannot lose against your brother because you live with him because every day he's going to remind you that I beat <laughs> and they you. Will. And they will. So that it's the same situation. You don't want to lose against the U.S. because we're too close. It's, it's, we're, we're brothers and we can say that. Uh, so uh, you don't want to lose against the U.S. It, it means a lot. Uh, Mario, that's maybe the best answer I've heard when I've asked. That is beautiful <laughs> stuff. And look, yeah, I, I, I consider Mexico our, our brothers too, and we should all feel it that way. And without this rivalry, our, our program is nothing. It's the best thing we have because Mexico lifts it to such a level that it makes it feel so elite. And with the, the Mexicans in this country, they, they, they boost it with attendance and interest that makes it feel so big time. So um, I, I'm eternally grateful on behalf of all the American fans and I'm appreciative that you could jump in and talk about it with us here today. And uh, let those guys at Fox, you know, make sure you get a good parking spot because you put in a lot of good time. <laughs> <laughs> I will for sure. I will for sure. It, so, it's, uh, it's as always, Max, it's, it's uh, a pleasure to be with you, sharing thoughts, sharing ideas and talking about the beautiful game.
Oh, I love it. Mariano Trujillo, Fox Deportes, uh, great footballer, uh, now great analyst and personality uh, in, uh, in what we do here and a great guest here on the Soccer OG. We'll be back. And great dancer as well. Great dancer. <laughs> and make sure Laguna gives you his parking spot and then we're good. Great dancer. I just want to reiterate that. <laughs> we've got to hear you sing and then we'll see if you'll be the, the full package and then we'll see if you can hit that. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. I had a couple seconds, so we're going to join you to discuss. I just want to uh, discuss these early kickoffs in Europe. I know we've been doing them from the beginning of time. We've always been there. But the football's not great. We do that at MLS, too. And they, uh, the sun shining in half the field in the goalie's face doesn't look good on TV. This is a sport that should be played at night. It's for night. The field is slick. The fans are more into it. They're all juiced up from popping over at the pub or whatever watering hole is nearby. Just something that uh, I would like to see. No, but I've been seeing it from the Premier League and even La, La Liga games. There's just a lack of intensity that you get from the, the evening matchups. I know this is a very broad subject, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. I just wanted to thank the two guests. These, I mean, we're so blessed to have these guys that are former players. I mean, Casey Keller played an incredible level, one of the best keepers. You know, look at his his resume. And Mariano, he, I think he played for Mexico five times or something like that. Probably should have been a lot more. He was a really good wide player, and he does tremendously here. We're very fortunate to have him in the U.S. market. He can do it in English and Spanish. You know, that's without missing a beat. So uh, it's and it's a reminder when you hear about, you know, how embedded we are together, USA and Mexico. We are brothers. We we share a space. We we should enjoy each other's company and cultures as much as possible. And I think that's where something the sport can take away from all of this. Looking for a visit again in Cincinnati with El Tri Online. Soccer OG expecting a big week. And I can't wait. If you're out there, I'll have more details in the next podcast as to where we're going to be. So you can if you're in the area, pop over. Um, I was a, a Bengals fan growing up at the NFL team. I've never really been in Cincinnati, so I'm looking forward to that. See what I've been missing. I, I was born in Ohio, but I've never been in Cincinnati. Imagine that. I mean, that's probably hard to do. But I did it. I like to go to the beat of a different drummer. We will talk to you very soon. Until then, on behalf of everyone here on the Soccer OG, Placido Domingo. Domingo.